This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with April Blackford, my trusty cohort in crime. Um, April, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. So, the big topic, and we're, we're going to dive right in just because we're really pressed for time, and I know that there's going to be a, a fair amount of interest in this topic just because not only is does Thanksgiving work out this way, but a lot of holiday parties, Christmas, you know, Hanukkah, anything like that is going to um, going to work similar to this. Let me just double check and make sure that I don't have Facebook open. It might have been you actually this time. Rarely, um, you use it. Nope, no, it's me. It was me. <laughs> it's sorry. always me. Always, always make sure I close mine. Shoot. Okay, I've got way too many instances of Google open to find all of them. There we go. All right, sorry about that. That doesn't make for a good podcast, right? Um, anyway, so the big thing, um, and I, I guess I got to give a, a, I'm going to give two for instances, one for instances being mine, but I think more people are going to be interested in my wife's strategy because she was actually coming out of a cut. So going into Thanksgiving, my weight was technically up a little bit, and some of that has just been you know, the circumstances kind of around the holidays, but family visiting, things like that, right? So, you know, my weight can go up to as high as 178, but it usually hovers around 175, 176. So going into Thanksgiving, you know, I think on Monday I was 178. And, you know, you like to think that you could go into these holidays and eat fairly freely. Um, and that probably would have been my strategy, but this summer was really interesting. This summer was one of the first summers where I didn't just go, okay, I'm going to train for a competition or, or, um, try to train myself out of, um, being a little bit more responsible with food, right? And so... I'd say probably in the last couple months, you know, as the seasons have started to change, you know, my work volume went down a little bit. And so I've been trying to figure out that, that food piece in the process. Um, but part of that is when weight starts going up and you're not getting as many steps in and you're not working out as often, Really, the thing to fix first is get more steps in and work out more often and then see where you land rather than just immediately jumping into lower food, which I did not do. Um, I think that's an important discussion as it relates to managing weight and managing fat loss is how can you do it while also, you know, um, getting in good workouts um, in the stretch that we're about to talk about. I actually ended up lifting the heaviest I've lifted in probably five years over the weekend. Um, I probably would have been in a little bit of a deficit, 
um, on on one or two of those days, just because I was trying to be responsible in in the process. But but certainly it wasn't so extreme that I couldn't hit a PR, right? Um, so so kind of keep that in mind, and that's a big part of of eat to perform. I think biggest thing that people struggle with this time of year is they don't realize the goal. And if your goal is um, fat loss, fat loss, fat loss, it's probably a bad strategy for the holidays. And so my goal is to stay even or slightly down, right? And I think staying even or slightly down is a real good strategy for about what, like a six-week period where all the holidays come in, no matter what religion you are. So what I tend to do is I, I refer to it as the one big meal strategy. Now it doesn't mean that you don't eat more meals. It just means that you prepare for one meal, right? So you know that you're going to have kind of one big meal on Thanksgiving and um, you work your strategy around that. So I'm going to walk you guys through that little piece. But once again, I think my wife's situation is probably a little bit more interesting to a lot of folks, so I'm going to run through that as well. So I'm going to get through mine real quick. In the morning of Thanksgiving, we go for for normally which a run, but usually there's this big fight between my daughters who are teenagers, whether they want to run and whether they want to walk and where we're going to meet and will people's cell phones be dead or not. So I looked at my wife and I said, every year we have this argument. Wouldn't it be just better if we all just walked, you know, this 5K together and talked and just enjoyed each other's company? And so that's exactly what we did. And because of the way that it's, it's you know, kind of around Minneapolis, we ended up walking five or six miles in the process got to laugh, you know, they were on their phone playing Pokemon Go most of the time. And and so we were all just kind of doing things that we enjoyed because that's really what Thanksgiving is for my family, really, especially on that day because we usually have kind of a smaller um, thing going. You know, we don't do the big family. We do that on Saturday. So I have two Thanksgivings, actually. Um, and so I'll talk a little bit about that strategy. So when I left the run... Um, I did have kind of like an energy bar. So that's a little bit of the one big meal strategy. It's not that you would just eat one big meal. It's just that you're gearing everything to one big meal. Um, and so I ended up, you know, like I said, you know, my weight was down the day previous. That was a low day. If you're not an Eat to Perform member, basically it's a day that you're eating both lower carbohydrate and um and also the um, lower calories, typically. Um, not always, but typically. So when I got back home, we prepared breakfast, which was a little chicken sausage, a couple of eggs, and um, some hash browns that we had left over. Certainly not a big meal. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood about 400 to 450 calories. For someone that, that can eat as many calories as, say, 3,000 calories a day, 400 to 450 calories is nothing. But the reason why I had that meal in place is because the last thing you want to do is get super hungry 
when there's a bunch of snacky hypercaloric foods around. And so I knew going into this Thanksgiving holiday that for me to be responsible, some of the snacking that I would normally do, I did not do. I'm not a drinker, so drinking is not a thing for me. But my wife does drink, and so that'll be interesting when we start talking about that. Um, did get in a lot of steps. Uh, there was a fair amount of walking, a lot of hiking. Um, did some, some body weight movements. Went to CrossFit on Saturday for a 15-minute workout. Definitely felt good to kind of get some high-intensity work in there. And then on Sunday, like I said, I did my deadlifts. You know, um, first time doing like right at 400 for three. Feel pretty good about that. Um, you know, if people, like, I mean, obviously I'm talking to you guys about my weight. I'm almost 50 years old, I weigh 175 pounds. 400 pounds for three is definitely a challenge. You know, and so I was feeling pretty good and, and good, and strong, good, good and strong in that process. Kind of the same strategy went down on Saturday. I actually ate a little bit smaller meal just because my weight up was my weight was up from from Thanksgiving. Obviously, you've got sodium, you've got you know carbohydrates. I never avoided dessert on any day, right? I never avoided you know anything other than really snacks. But going into Saturday, what I had was like oatmeal. I usually put in a, a good scoop of peanut butter because I want that fat to hold me throughout the day. So then when we, you know, go to our Saturday Thanksgiving, um, you know, once again, I'm not snacking. I'm just having a big meal. I'm having dessert and kind of going from there. So I think the strategy is not so much the big, big, the, the big meal. It's really... What smaller meals will tide you over? You know, I think the other thing that I did that's a real good tide you over snack is I have, um, well, I talk about this all the time and people make fun of me, um, but Skinny Girl Popcorn, um, the, the lime and sea salt flavor, um, good snack, you know, fills you up, have that with kombucha, um, and that is a snack that, that is usually pretty good for me. So I think that day I had oatmeal. Um, I had the, the popcorn and kombucha and then I had a pretty big, you know, I mean, Thanksgiving meals can be, you know, 2,000, 3,000 calories. I would, su I would suggest on both days, my calories for what I ate was probably in the 1,500 to 2,000 range, but, you know, sort of hard to count when other people are making your food. Um, so I'm going to stop right there just to get April's impression of how things are going and any, any thoughts that I might have missed because a lot of times she's listening to this and she's going, hey, you forgot this, right? So so what, do you, what are your thoughts, April? I actually did something very similar to you is um, I do the smaller meal strategies. We, actually, we had to have dinner a little bit earlier because my daughter had to work. Um, she has a part-time job at the movie theater. Of course, they have mandatory holidays. So we ended up having to eat earlier, but I did the same strategies, just a smaller meal, you know, the, the morning of, and then ate larger. For me, it's, I'm a little bit hindered because I can't do gluten or dairy. So, you know, a lot of the really good stuff I can't eat, um, like really, really good 
high, high calorie stuff. Um, yeah. But for the most part, you know, I did the same strategy, had one big meal and then had a smaller meal later. You have a larger meal and then you're fairly full for most of the day and then the smaller meal later. And then the day after Thanksgiving, um, went and did heavy squats. I will say my only downfall for me personally was um, Tom felt bad that I made all these elaborate desserts. You know, I'm into the dessert thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been a beneficiary um, of that. I made a tiramisu cake. I made eggnog creme brulee. I made the triple chocolate fudge cake with the ganache that I made you for your birthday that one mm -hmm. time. Um, made all that, and he felt bad, so he made me a gluten-free apple spice cake, which for me is like crack because it's it's a little sweet, but it's not overly sweet. But it's one of those things that you have a little slice and then you walk right by it and you have another slice and another slice. So I would say between Thursday and yesterday, I ate a half a cake by myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I was able, I, 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 think, I think because my weight was up and I knew I had to be cautious, you know, I wanted to go back for the second helping of pumpkin pie, but I didn't, you know. And so having that, in my head and that's why I think a lot of people that talk about I don't weigh myself routinely <laughs> I think that that's a mistake especially around these holidays when you're sort of eating out of the norm right if you go into Thursday and you know that two days from then you're going to have to you know have another holiday experience but you're not weighing yourself well what's gonna happen when you weigh yourself well on Monday your weight's gonna be up four or five pounds and you're going to freak out, you know. But for me, weighing myself daily allowed me to kind of keep in check. And I think more than anything, it it, it made me uh, push the activity side of things, you know. I tried to get in pull-ups, push-ups whenever I could. You know, definitely made, made you know, hiking. I mean, you know, during the summer, you know, it was routine for me to get twenty to 25,000 steps. Now it's really a struggle to get fifteen. You know, so I've got to make sure that I'm keeping resistance training in place. Otherwise, you know, my weight does start to drift up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I think a lot of people that would when what they don't realize about dairy and, and, and gluten type items is they look at dairy or gluten as the problem. When in fact, and, and not that dairy and gluten can't be problems for someone like in your case, they are. But. The problem for the good majority of people usually isn't the dairy or the gluten. It's the fact that they're hypercaloric snacks or they're hypercaloric foods. And so if your dairy snack, you know, is 400 to 500 but doesn't really fill you up, you know, and you're going to be eating within a half an hour, well, you just wasted 400 calories and ultimately um, working against your goals. So that's something to keep in mind. I just want to give a neat little idea, um, like what you were saying in regards to the steps, you know, naturally you're, you live in the Arctic, you know, like it's been like 40 degrees here, which is like the Arctic for, you know, North yeah, Carolina, yeah. but you know, I've seen a lot of people, you know, it's just, it's getting cold and people just don't want to, they don't want to take long walks and I totally understand, you know, last week, you know, I'm, I don't like the cold weather, but I wore like two coats, you know, daily to take the dogs for a walk, but um, my husband and I, we have been, you know, putting on YouTube and trying to teach ourselves um, ballroom dancing. 
in the house. So okay. put yeah. some music and dance. You know, you don't have to go out and battle in the cold. You can still move in the house. You know, Friday nights we have dance off, you know, with the family. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the other thing too that I see a lot with people especially people who aren't doing CrossFit or aren't powerlifters or don't have like a regular program, you know, everybody, I mean, you go into the Anytime Fitness or Snap 19 or whatever all these places are called and there's billions of people on, on the treadmill as if, you know, those 300 calories that they're burning on the treadmill, you know, are going to make a dent in the 3000 that they ate. You know what I mean? Um, it just doesn't work like that. And so, you know, you should be doing things that you enjoy, you know, and that are, are part of the routine. But if if you normally eat, you know, 800 or 1100 calories and then you have a 3000 calorie day, yeah, you're going to see weight up quite a bit. But most eat performers aren't eating relatively restrictive. And so they're still seeing progress. So when their 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 calories, carbs go up, you know, four or five hundred calories doesn't make as big of a dent as it does for the good majority of people who think starvation is the key to keeping their weight loss, fat loss goals, when in fact it's much more complicated than that because you're trying to keep muscle in that process. And that's a big part of what we walk through numbers and with and stuff like that. So if you're interested to become a member, do so because it's worth its weight in gold, especially around these times. So my wife, I could probably talk about it. She did the the one big meal strategy. My wife, um, especially coming out of a cut, she she did like a three week cut going into the holidays, and she ended up losing six pounds in that process, which is about the top end range for like a three week cut, right? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't want much more than that. And certainly, she was coming from the standpoint of eating relatively free you know i mean she's not unlike most people where she you know when weight starts to get to a point where she's uncomfortable she says okay time to buckle down and oh by the way i sleep with the eat to perform guy so i wonder if he can help me with this right um and so so we set up a mini cut for her um she did awesome with it um, it wasn't even really aggressive. I, I think uh, all of her calorie levels were over 2,000. Um, but uh, when she, we, we, we ended the cut the day before Thanksgiving, I was really concerned about her because, you know, the last day was a low day. Um, she had reached her goal probably five days previous to that. We all have those numbers, right? 150, 140, you know, 210, whatever it is, you know, getting under those numbers are important. Well, she had reached that number previous to that. And so so now it became like, how much more can I get, you know? And, you know, of course, like everyone else, she, she started to hit kind of a wall and didn't, uh, didn't get much... Um, more down from that but my concern was that she was going to be hungry going into thanksgiving and then just like well you know no rails you know and um you know we talked about the big meal strategy she did the 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 strategy where there wasn't going to be a lot of snacking she did do more snacking than i did and she had alcohol 
um, which she doesn't normally drink that much. Normally she'll drink on, on date night. She drank on both that night um, and then at least one other night, but I don't think it was on Thanksgiving, but she definitely had alcohol two nights during the process. She also went to the big meal strategy, but she was checking her weight. You know, my wife, and I think this is actually more common for men, for women than men, um, where she started dealing with a little bit of blood sugar. And she, you know, you can always tell, you know, from her mood that it's food time, you know, feed me, you know. And so we had to, to kind of have little snacks here and there to kind of tide her over. Um, but, you know, like I said, things like popcorn, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, helped uh, in the process. Once again, I, I think that she was, because she was drinking, she didn't have as much dessert, right? So that was sort of a choice. Usually the 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 drinking always trumps the dessert, right? Just because of the way that your body metabolizes alcohol. And so her being a little bit cautious there, making that decision. I think here, that's an interesting point of this discussion. Being responsible means that Sometimes you have to make a decision, you know, and I would say probably the last three Thanksgivings, my, my thought process would have been, you know, I'll just work out more, you know, I'll train my way through the holidays and you'll kind of eat for joy and just enjoy the experience. I wouldn't say that I didn't enjoy my experience, but I was responsible. But my brother-in-law, as an example, like this is one snack. I think it's helpful to, to get a little specific. So he brings like this queso with chips, right? And every year once I start eating that, that's not something that I eat all that often. So when I eat it, I like it, you know? And so it's very common, like April's crack, like his queso with chips is my crack. So I just, you know, decided for this year I would avoid it. And frankly, it's not that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like going to a Mexican cantina and eating something that is authentic and enjoyable. It's Velveeta with like, you know, Rotella in it. You know what I mean? With chips. I mean, it's not, it's not like the end all be all, but it is enjoyable. And so those are sort of some of the decisions that you need to make when you have goals. And my goal is to get through the holidays, you know, at 175, 176. You know, I'm not trying to get to 180, then have to cut back down. Because at my end goals, you know, somewhere around March is I want to set up a deficit, you know, to get into the high 160s. And I don't want it to suck. You know, if it's only five to six, five to six pounds, I can do a two, three week cut and be fine. I don't want it to be an eight week cut, eight to 10 week cut. You know, um, the more aggressive that you have to get and the longer the cuts end up being, um, the more you have to sort of recover from that. So if, if you can get away with a three, four week cut, it's better than, than an eight to 10 week cut because a three, four week cut 
you know, the recovery from that's not going to be that hard. Eight to 10 week cut typically tends up being a three to four month process. You know, eight to 10 week, um, three to four week cut might be a four to five week process as you sort of normalize. So she made the choice, no dessert. Anyway, long story short, this morning her weight was the lowest that it's been even previous to the cut, even though her macros, you know, were higher. She drank alcohol on two nights. You know, she ate a good amount of food, but ultimately was able to see um, some kind of results. And this is why when people say, I don't like counting my food or I don't like getting specific, I think that there's, you know, I do that often, right? But I don't do that often when I have a goal in mind, right? I'm going to be weighing myself a little bit more. I'm going to be tracking my food a little bit more. You know, um, if you're comfortable with your weight going up three to four pounds, you know, you can get away with a little bit more intuitive eating. But if you're not checking the scale, that can turn into eight to 10 pounds real easy. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're eating 1,100 calories again. You're on that chicken and kale diet or that detox or that flush or your nine-day challenge or your whole 30 challenge or your 98-whole-day or a whole year of whole 30. You know, like all these things ultimately have their consequences. And so being more aware and being more specific allow you to have more freedom. We talk about this a lot. The the Extreme Ownership book, Jocko, I think it's Willinick, but um, is discipline equals freedom, right? That discipline that I had on Thanksgiving did not dig a huge hole for me. So now I don't have to go throughout the week super restricted and uncomfortable, right? My wife actually was concerned that you know, coming out of this week that her weight would be up. She wouldn't feel 100% and that, you know, she'd feel a little sluggish. And when you are lower than the number that you were previously, as I am and as both she is, you know, now all of a sudden you start loading up on some of the regular foods that you eat, like oatmeal and rice and things that you eat throughout the day that allow for better exercise, right? And, uh, you know, most of the foods that you're going to eat that are going to be hypercaloric snacks, you know, um, during Thanksgiving, those aren't necessarily going to always fuel great workouts. They can, you know, certainly mashed potatoes can, you know, um, certainly protein is going to be helpful in terms of giving you the raw ingredients to to build muscle. I see the other thing that people do is they do a little bit more treadmill work and a little bit less walking. Um, they don't tend to do a lot of slow resistance training. Part of building lean mass, right? If the goal is to build lean mass while losing fat, when you're feeling bloated, go lift weights, right? That's one of the signals that allows your body to go, okay, this might be a good time to actually build on the framework that Paul's putting in place. So keep that in mind as you go through these next weeks that, um, 
you know, there's certain things you might want to sweat out. You know, if you had a lot of alcohol, um, water, and maybe some long hikes or something might be a little bit better than resistance training. But if you just had a good amount of food, you know, I really like resistance training there. I just think that coming out of the holidays, you know, even if your weight is up a pound or two, it'd be a pound or two that'd be more likely to be lean mass if you're resistance training. I'm not just talking about barbell work. I'm also talking about um, body weight work. You know, I would say the good majority of my stuff that I did this weekend was actually body weight, you know, and not barbell. So keep that in mind. And another, another thing too that I want to add is, and what I've been seeing around, you know, in some of the groups and stuff is, you know, sodium is almost always a factor. We talked about this on yes. the last webinar we did, you know, Aunt Susie, you know, makes these awesome dishes and who knows what she puts in it. Lots of salt because everything tastes better with salt, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they get on the scale today and then, you know, scales up by pounds, which, you know, you don't tend to fluctuate as much as I do, but I can fluctuate anywhere between four to six pounds on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, just retain a lot of water. You know, so it scales up six pounds and rather than having that screw it mentality of, oh, you know, I've already screwed up, you know, and then just eating your emotions away, the key is, you know, Christmas is pretty much three, three and a half weeks away. The key is you get your ass back on track. Just get your ass back on track, you get into your normal groove and, and you'll be fine. You know, you'll be fine. It's not like it has to be, you know, a whole four, six weeks off a track. You know, you have a couple of days around Thanksgiving yeah. where you eat a little bit more freely and then a couple of, a couple of days around Christmas, you know, and then that's it. Other than that, you should be eating relatively normal. And, and if you're an Eat to Perform member, right, you just jump back into your plan and let us guide you through that process. But you getting in the way, because that's the one thing I see, right? Everybody today, you know, they're, they're going to hit that scale on Monday. Their weight's up five pounds. And then, you know, they panic. And what are they going to do? They're going to eat 1,100 calories, you know. Well, what's that going to set up through the next week? Now your workouts aren't going to be great, right? You didn't need to do that, right? I mean, one of the things that, that I talk about fairly often is that when your volume is down and your weight is up, you're better off addressing the volume than you are addressing you know, food, right? Food wasn't the problem. Like the, throughout the summer, my volume was higher. So I've got to rethink how I can get in volume and, and kind of adjust it to what I'm doing rather than just going, okay, I'm going to reduce my calories because when you start to reduce your calories, there's a lot of things that, that, that come up. There was, there was, oh God, April, the, the, first of all, in my family, it's a big family. Okay, so one third of the people are dieting, one third of the people are fit, and the other third of the people are making fun of the fit people and the dieting people, right? And they're just eating large plates of food and drinking beer and stuff like that. And it kind of rotates. Like, I have to say, I've been every single version of those three groups you know um and luckily for the last 10 years i've been the fit the fit group um but there was a lot of talk about you know 
hair loss, brittle nails. Um, I'm, I know that a lot of people think, you know, here's the here's the Eat the Reform guy. Certainly his family would go to him, right? You know, my family thinks I work out like a professional athlete. They don't realize that I don't work out like that. They've seen this massive transformation of someone who was really obese and has actually become muscular with abs. So they just naturally assume that I'm killing myself in the gym all the time. And so much of what, like, like a lot of the people that are, are, are in the dieting mode, um, I mean, you can see it, right? It's, it's, they just look like a smaller version with more skin, you know, um, loose skin and, you know, You just don't want to be the super know-it-all guy around Thanksgiving. Everybody knows that I have a company that helps people with this stuff. If they want an answer, they can ask a question. So I assume they don't want the answer, right? But, you know, when I hear people going to the doctor for... You know, their hair falling out and their nails becoming brittle and stuff like this. It's a little tough to keep my mouth shut, but I do it. Because, you know, it's hard for people to believe that starvation is the problem. When it's much easier to believe that you have a stomach virus or, you know, some of these other things are affecting you. And then when you look at the plates of food that they're eating, you go, I know why your hair is falling out. I know why your nails are brittle. I know why you can't sleep, you know. And it's interesting because I hear a lot of people talking about these habits, you know, all these habits that make a difference, you know, hydration and, and getting your sleep better. You sleep's not going to get better if you're eating 1,100 calories, you know, unless you're like just completely exhausted. There are some people that are just completely exhausted that actually do sleep well in that, that occasion. A lot of people, their cortisol levels are through the roof and they're sleeping three to four hours a night, you know. And so, so be on the lookout. You know, I mean, um, you know, like I said, we, we've had some influence. I know my brother-in-law has listened to a few things I've said. Um, my dad has listened to a few things I've said. My mother died, you know. Um, I know I could have helped my mother, um, my grandmother, you know, or not my grandmother, but my mother-in-law, you know, died before Eat Reform started. Like, like she would have definitely been someone that, that would have listened, you know, um, and it would have been interesting. Um, so those are some things that, that I have regret, but I don't have a lot of regret about what we do because, um, you know, and I've talked about this in the past, where rather than trying to convert people who aren't interested, my goal has always been to like bring along the people who are, right? Who are willing to try a newer and better approach. And so that's obviously, you know, what we do with thousands of people on a daily basis. All right. So we've got to end the call. Both April and I have client calls here in a few minutes. But 
Pokemon Go, what level are you now? 24. Okay. So I'm... I'm I don't buy all the extra incubators like you I know, do. I know. I, I have a huge yeah. advantage. I no, there's no question. I have a big advantage <laughs> over you. Like um, I'm, I'm El Cheapo, but I just wanted to, to throw out there right now. You're currently getting more XP and give you more XP and more Stardust per catch. But have you have you caught the Ditto yet? The new one. I've caught three okay, Ditto's. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't really think it's that special. I think it's just the anticipation. They're trying to get you to catch everything. They're trying to get you to use more balls, so you have to buy more balls. That's basically what what my theory is. But Christmas, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day, you're going to get like 10 times the XP and candies than you would any other time. That's a rumor. No, it's happening. Well, <laughs> no, the Christmas event is supposed to be a big deal. Um, I am excited about that. Um, I should be able to go to level 28 today. Um, basically, what? my strategy... <laughs> <laughs> garbage <laughs> but let me let me tell you what my strategy is okay so i buy lucky eggs right so i have a lucky egg going whenever i'm walking a while so um if i go say to the mall of america which is actually a pretty good place for this my strategy is just to catch piggies pidgeys and ratatas right so I catch the easiest thing to catch that's not going to run on me, right? And then I just evolve all of that stuff as I go. That's the that's the secret, by the way, you know, is um, catching the things and then evolving them because you get a thousand for whatever you evolve and then you just transfer it out because, you, you know, I don't really care if I have a decent Pidgey or whatever. Um, and so, so... At the Mall of America the other day, in an hour and a half, I got 120,000 of XP, right? So that's how big of a deal it can be as long as you're kind of evolving stuff. Now, I had a lot of stuff to evolve. Right now, I don't have a lot of stuff to evolve, but you're right. I'm low on everything. And then, um, you know, my I don't know if you saw my post about the gyms this morning where... My daughters and I, we go and snipe as many gyms as we can right before, especially at the local parks because they close at 10. And so what we do is we go into the park at, you know, 9 o'clock, 930. And then, you know, all the gyms that we can get from the car, you know, right now, all of us have some pretty powerful Pokemon. Right. And so we can go into gyms like here. Water types are everywhere. Right. So like our Vaporeons are, are they like in every gym where you're at? So basically all I do is I just load up my deck with like Jolteons, Electrons and and um, Electrobuzzes. And I mean, I do that. My other two daughters do that. And we just run through these Vaporeon gems like they're nothing, you know. And last night we got eight gems in under an hour. Um, see, because my girls don't do, they don't buy anything. I'm, you know, I buy, I'd say it probably costs me $19.95 every two weeks, you know. 
to do it the way that I'm doing it. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't do it any other way. Like it would just bore me to tears, you know? Um, but, um, and we also go to nests, you know, like this, this, you know, there was a squirtle nest this weekend, which was really cool. Got me up to Blastoise. Um, I'm looking for a match up next nest right now. They have a, they have a place called Rice Park. They have match ups there. There's usually, you know, you can catch three or four, but it's more like a frequent spawn and not necessarily like a cluster spawn. Um, but it's been a good way. I mean, it's not a great way for lists, right? Because if I'm just walking and hiking, like if I'm walking and hiking with my wife, you know, I might get 10,000 steps in an hour, right? When you're playing Pokemon, you get six to 7,000 steps. So there is a, there is a little bit of a, of a, um, a drawback to it. Um, because you have to keep stopping to catch stuff. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to stop once you've caught them. You can, you can still, Yeah. but you know, what happens is, is you, you catch a Rattata and then it's hard to, to catch. And so, or it, it like pops out of the Pokeball and you're like, Oh, this is a ditto. And then all of a sudden, like the other night, um, a Rattata was hard to catch. So I was like, I'm ultra balling this. I just know it's a ditto. And it was, you know, and it ended up being my highest XP um, ditto. But dittos are good for gems, by the way. Right. So that's the big thing with dittos. So that's what makes them really. So like if you're what is like a Gyarados, what's your big that, that yours a big one is a Gyarados, right? No, I think my biggest my biggest is I have to look. My biggest. I say all of them wrong, by the way. Like I, I like I call them like magnetrons, and it's not. It's you know, like it's. I never, I never have the right name. So I, I accidentally called the Ditto a Dildo the other day. <laughs> That's not good. Good thing we got that little <laughs> E on the top. Let's go out the dog so we can catch a Dildo. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you said that to Tom. Tom's like, oh yeah, let's do that, you know. And my biggest is a Snorlax. Okay. But but didn't you didn't you evolve a electric or uh, or a carp? Um a magic no, carp? No, not yet. No, and I still haven't caught one. Tommy and I spotted one on the radar over by um, oh, you still haven't caught a magic carp? No, no, no! I've caught Magikarp. No, I've yeah. definitely caught those, but I have not evolved it. And the 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 biggest evolution, Tommy and I spotted it on the radar over by this kids' gymnastic place over in Raleigh, and we have not seen it since. But everybody around here's got it. Everybody's got it. Right. Like this. But see, see once again, like once again, Silk Road. If you're not using that, you should because it'll tell you where the things are spawning and where their cluster spawning. Um, but it is interesting because you know Susan, um, who does Pokemon with us, she's level thirty-two, I believe. Um, things that she's got, she probably gets sand shrews left left and right, and we don't get them, right? But 
she would love to have a cloister. I have like five cloisters, you know. So there's certain areas, I mean, being the land of 10,000 lakes, you end up getting a lot of water types. You know, so every time I hatch an electric type or every time I get, you know, a, a fire type or something like that, it's it's pretty valuable. Um, all right. So that's enough Pokemon talk. But I think that a lot of people, you know, going into the holidays, you know, weigh yourself more, right? The expectation of the scale is what is bothering you. And so if you don't have the expectation that it's got to always be down, then you'll be fine. But it's well known scientifically that people who weigh themselves more often are more likely to stay weight stable. People who don't weigh themselves as often, you know, will often see their weight up. And once again, when is it good to have your head in the sand, right? See, part of the problem that we have in the health and fitness world is we get bombarded by these images because if a coach is talking to you and you're saying, I'm so bothered by my weight being up, eventually the coach is just going to say, stop weighing yourself, right? And then that became a thing. You know, and what we're trying to introduce people to and ultimately the whole dashboard that we provide clients and, and everything, all the resources is about getting you guys data that that we can use to help you get the result that you need. But what's nice about it is it changes your relationship with that data, you know, whether it be progress photos, whether it be you know, measurements, whether it be, you know, I mean, that is one argument I would make if, if your only measurement is the scale, you're kind of missing out on part of the picture, right? If you're not doing um, body weight measurements, you know, and you lose two to three inches, but you never knew that, you missed out on a big piece of the picture. So more information is better in our view. And, uh, you know, we have the results to prove it, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, the, the, you know, lose, you know, I saw, I saw a magazine cover that was like, I lost 34 pounds in three weeks and I ate carbs. I'm like, I lost a hundred pounds. It took me two years. I ate carbs. I ate an adequate amount of food, but now I have a good relationship with food and I know why it works. I didn't go, oh, I'm just not going to eat fat now or, oh, I'm not going to eat carbs now. When you look at why eating an adequate amount of food for what you do is important is because nothing is off the, off limits. You use all of these foods, you know, as some type of strategy. That is one thing that I have been kind of um, working with my wife on a little bit um, as she's kind of going through these cutting processes and stuff like this. She does what a lot of people do where she'll like hold on to macros or something like this. But like I said, she gets hungry and I'll say, well, how much fat have you had today? And she'll be like nine grams. I said, well, that's why you're hungry. You know, you can't allow yourself to go throughout the day. I mean, yeah, if you're comfortable, I can be comfortable. Like, you know, and people often overrate being fat adapted. 
my body uses fat comfortably. I, I don't feel a need. I'm not hungry as often as most people are. Part of it's because I'm not restricted the good majority of the time. But, you know, what I see with women especially is that blood sugar issues end up being a big thing. Hunger ends up controlling mood. And more often than not, it's not just a factor of, of meeting your macros. It's how are you strategizing those macros throughout the day where you're eating protein, where you're eating fat, and you're, a lot, you're managing your hunger signaling a little bit better. And that also helps with a lot of the strategies related to, um, you know, the holidays. So anyway, we've got to get the client calls. Appreciate everybody being here. Um, April, anything you want to end on or you just want to say goodbye to everybody? Goodbye. All right. Talk to you guys. Have a great day. Bye now.